Welcome to episode 16 of the Chack Insider Podcast. Today we're talking with George and Shirley Osborne. Uh, you've seen Shirley. I don't know if you know her, but she's in a wheelchair, and it's a motorized wheelchair, and she can get around Chack pretty easily in it. But George and Shirley have a great story. I mean, their relationship goes back a long way. It had an interesting beginning, and it's had an interesting course over the years. So I hope that you enjoy listening to this episode. Today we're going to get to know George and Shirley Osborne. Welcome to the Chack Insider Podcast, you guys. Thank you. Thanks. It's good it's good to have you here. Good to have you in my office. And George has informed me that I should have Shirley do all the talking. <laughs> so, George, uh, would you like to say hi? Hi. Thank you, George. Okay, now, Shirley. <laughs> George, I'm going to ask you, for how many years have you guys been attending Community Heights? Oh, 40 years. 40 it years. It was six, 60 uh or well, 70, 76, we moved here, yeah. I think. 76. Okay. 76. So, yeah, mm-hmm. 42 years. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah, that is 42 years. Yeah. Boy, that doesn't seem like 1976 was that long <laughs> no, ago. I guess we're getting old. Yeah. So what are you guys involved, Shirley, in here at Community Heights? What kind of ministries are you involved in right now? Well, the main thing that we're doing is that we go out to the prison, which is not really in the church, but we've been doing this for many years. Uh, it seems that it is something that other people aren't doing, so that's worked out quite well for us. And uh, we don't have the same people all the time, but they're Christians that come. And we'll have them for a few months, or uh, because this, the minimum security prison that we go to, they're not there more than two years. So um, they're there, and then they go out. And if they um, don't have a church that they know they're going to, we try to contact somebody in that community that they can be in contact with. So when they get released, yes, you try to help them out to yeah. continue walking mm-hmm. with other believers. Yes. Mm-hmm. So so you and George go to the prison. Now, mm-hmm. I have to I'm going to get theological on you now. Okay. So you said I asked about what ministries you're involved in and you said, "Well, that's not really in the church." Well, well now Charlie, what's the church? Yeah. It's <laughs> us going out. That's right. Yeah. It's exactly right. So right. Community Heights mm-hmm. has a presence through you and George in in the prison mm-hmm. and uh we, you know, we as a church family have that presence. Right. So I would say to our listeners that uh, we all should be praying for you guys as you go. Do you go weekly? Yes. What day do you go? Monday afternoons. Monday afternoons. Mm -hmm. And uh, you said that recently you had a young man. Did Did he come to faith in Christ? Yes. He didn't seem to have ever done that before. Okay. So he, he might have, but he made sure then. Okay. Oh, when we were with him, which hasn't happened very often. With us, because usually we had somebody that maybe when they were a young person, they had received Christ and then gotten away from it. Mm-hmm. So this was uh, this is more of a fresh experience for us, which is great because okay. he's eager. So Shirley, in case people aren't familiar with your name, you're the woman who spoke at the most recent blessings yes event that we did in December yes and I didn't attend I wasn't there for the for the speaker time mm-hmm. so tell me what you said <laughs> thirty minutes of it <laughs> thirty minutes you spoke for oh. thirty minutes so did you just kind of give you share your testimony that night yes um, I I did I became a Christian when I was in college. 
although they, I grew up in a Christian family. But I wasn't certain I'd made that decision until I prayed at in in college at a, after a discussion in our dorm. Where'd you go to college? Drake University. Drake? Yeah. Hardly a Christian institution. No, no, it isn't. But that's where you became a Christian. Mm-hmm. Because you know why? Because the church was there, wasn't it? Yes. And a girl who who didn't get accepted at Wheaton oh. was there. <laughs> How God works, Yes, huh? right. That's right. awesome. So my last associate pastor at my last church, he and his wife are both Drake graduates. Oh. And he is at a church in Des Moines right now where the senior pastor is actually a Drake graduate. Really? Hmm. And he was discipled by a professor at Drake University during his four-year uh, time there. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So so he's a pastor's kid, so he already went as a believer, mm-hmm. but this particular professor really took him under his wing and did a lot of discipling and mentoring ah. with him and was really I'm helpful. I'm glad to hear something's happening there. So, yeah. So so you were at Drake, and what, what year was it that you came to faith? That would have been my sophomore year. Okay, so your second year of college. Mm-hmm. Now, did you know George at that time? No, he was another part of the country. Okay. So he's from North Carolina, and then he was in the service when he became a believer. Okay. So how did you become a believer, George? Was it through the, not the Navigators? No. Uh, I had grown up, uh, you know, as a boy. I wasn't very good at sports, so I did my thing, which was electrical, mechanical okay. things. Okay. I didn't get along with my neighbors too good, so I built a jammer that would jam all radio and television within a quarter-mile radius. Did you actually built one of those? Yeah. You are a national security threat. <laughs> well, well, the kids, they didn't like my jammer, and they were going to do it and me in, so I put an electric fence up around my little house and knocked out two of them, which neither the sheriff nor their parents liked too good. <laughs> And that was kind of my life, my story. Okay, well, that's, that is very interesting. And, and until Uncle Sam said, I have a better plan. Okay. So I found myself working day and night in the Army, problems back home. Money couldn't help. I knew I could turn to God, but I wasn't really willing to until my efforts were exhausted. Hmm. And at this time, I, I prayed and said, uh, Lord Jesus, I want you to come into my life and take control, because I've tried to run it the way I wanted to, and I've really blown it. Well, right then, lightning didn't strike, or uh, the ground didn't shake, but for the first time in my life, I had an inner peace. Hmm. Well, lightning might not have struck you, but it struck your neighbors when they touched your fence. Yeah. <laughs> That's a crazy story. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, so I was hungry to grow. It's like my battery would get all charged. I would go to church at the chapel, and I didn't know it, but this chaplain was really putting out the the gospel message. Hmm. He had been trained by the navigators, but I didn't know any of this stuff. Okay. But my battery felt like run down during the week, so I thought it needed charging. So I thought, whoa, must be I need to go on on a midweek service something. So I'd go there. And that was good, but my battery still wasn't getting real charged up. So I thought, well, there must be more to this. And so I'd go on then Sunday nights, and that was good. And I didn't know it, but the, these NAB guys had came in and, and said that they were trying to get something going in this area. This, I was in Germany at the time and said getting, getting some of these concerns. So 
he had given him some names to some people there, and of course I wasn't one of them, you know. And I heard him speak on Sunday, and they, you know, were it was really impressive their testimonies, and so I was like the cat hanging on the screen door there when they left. You know, I was I was outside, and this guy come up to, to me, one of them said, "Were you looking for help? And you want you want to grow? Yeah, yeah. You want to learn how to study the Bible and and go out and witness? And yeah, yeah." Well, here I am. And I thought, what? Who do you think you are? <laughs> but I, they started meeting with me during the week, and we'd go out on talking to people about the Lord and see people come in to accept the Lord. And sometimes we'd go back, and they'd be hiding in their wall locker because they were, you know, they just said, made a decision just to get rid of us. Yeah, yeah. So... So, but it, it that was kind of how things went, and I started growing, and we started doing this. And So you came to Christ in the military, and you got discipled by some guys who were in the Navigators ministry, which is a discipleship ministry, yeah. right? It's not a, it's a, it, I guess it would be called a parachurch organization, although I don't like those terms, because yeah, they're, yeah. they're the church too, yeah. yeah. but they're teaching people how to study the Bible. I had a young man in my last church who was uh, doing that at, on his college campus. As a student, he would uh, lead Bible studies and use Navigator mm-hmm. materials. Then he went on with his wife. They got married, he and his girlfriend, and they went on to do uh, college campus ministry with the Navigators. Mm-hmm. And I don't. they've been to, I think, three different universities now and i've kind of lost track with which one that they're at now so Hmm. he was in the military when he got out of the military he must have met you somewhere shirley where did he meet you quite a bit later at a navigator conference oh at a conference so you were there too i didn't meet the navigators immediately after i became a believer but while i was still in college i was invited to go up to somebody's house over in ankeny iowa Mm -hmm. and um at that place there were navigators that came from Lincoln, Nebraska, and we're having kind of a one-day conference in somebody's home. And uh, I went to that, and I just got really excited about that. And I came back and told my girlfriend, you know all these things that they're telling us we should do? Memorize and study the Bible? These people show you how. Hmm. And one of the guys said, oh, boy, they sure sold her something. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, that was the beginning. I was still in college then, and um, taught for two years after that in a remote area of Iowa, Sheldon. Well, Sheldon, I yeah. know where Sheldon yeah, is. Yeah, you do, yeah, probably. Yeah. But um, I would I went to conferences in the summer then for a couple of years that I lived up there, and then I went got into a training program with the navigators at Maranatha Bible Camp in uh, Nebraska, and uh, that was kind of the beginning of really knowing that's the direction I was going to take. Hmm. Well, I didn't know. I was trying at the same time to be prepared for anything in case I was going to go overseas and teach maybe in a mission school or something. So I tried to keep up with um, some of the education kind of things where I could possibly do that. And uh, I was still just open to whatever. So you haven't gotten to the part yet where you met George. No, and that was much <laughs> later. They were that particular year. The navigators were broken up into three divisions, and we were both in the southern division, but in different states. And at one of those conferences, uh, we met at one of those conferences. And then it was another year, I think. We went to a wedding where I knew the bride; he knew the groom. Hmm. That was a year between those two, anyway. And then 
You remember when the first thing I asked you? Yeah. First thing he said to me was, have you ridden any motorcycles lately? <laughs> I knew what he was talking about, but I, I didn't know who he was. But the summer before, I had worked at the Navigator headquarters and um, as fellow out there, and we had come into a dining hall on a motorcycle. Obviously a surprise thing. And uh, in fact, he hardly knew what to do with the motorcycle, but <laughs> I knew that's what he was talking about. And I said, you were dressed as hippies. Yeah, as hippies, right. We were. But everyone was back then, though, right? <laughs> <laughs> Not quite as much. <laughs> so um, so that's what, that's what he said. And then on the way home, one of my roommates said, she told about somebody who just came up in the middle of a paragraph. She was talking to somebody, and he came up to her and said, been any singing groups lately? And she didn't know who he was either. So, But then we found out that's kind of the way he gets to know you, comes in the middle of a conversation, in the middle of a paragraph sometimes. So that was that was when we first met. When we met again at a conference. Yeah, See, that's see right. I was in, in the division out at Temple, Texas out there, and I had a big house with people that had been in the training program in the military, and they'd gone through these different programs. I was just kind of, had I just needed relief, and there was this conference out, uh, 90 miles away or something, and it was another division. And I thought I'd just go away from there and kind of have a re- kind of a quiet spot. And they, they were having trouble with the PA and some electrical problems, and and they spotted me. And they had, oh yeah, so they had me come over there and fix the thing. And then they had a big work project, and they needed some leaders, and so they had me head the thing up and and. And then I saw Shirley Walker. She was speaking to the girls or something in this way. So I knew she was in where were you? Fort Worth. Fort Worth. Went mm-hmm. and had an apartment and stuff. And we just started talking about the troubles we had with the training people. And anyway, so. Anyway, we were at that. Then you, that was when you said you were going to be coming up to Six Flags with a group of high schoolers. Oh, yeah, part of the guys I had had were in a church ministry in Temple, and they were training, working with the youth, and they were coming up to Six Flags. And so I said, oh, how would you like to go go with me up at Six Flags, you know, since we're coming up there? And she thought that was rather strange. And But I said yes, and we went and uh, spent the day at Six Flags. And the thing of it was, we both of us thought we were doing each other a favor, you know, because I thought, well, she probably doesn't date much, or you know, it was, it was the old thing of the never daters. Yeah, I don't know if you've heard of the never date. The never, never daters, huh? That back there was a time that that you know you just you didn't date, and then suddenly somebody got engaged, and you didn't know how it happened. But uh, <laughs> so the navigators turned into the never daters for a while. Yes. Okay. Quite a lot of years, really. Because the idea was giving yourself for a certain amount of time to really growing and not being sidetracked by interests and out of interests and broken sure. hearts and yeah. all that kind of thing. Colossians 2 said getting rooted and grounded. Right. Yeah. Right. So so you went to Six Flags on kind of a date. Yeah. Did yeah. you think of it as a date at the yeah, time? Yeah. You did. Mm-hmm. And then I went, to, I went up to Omaha to spend the summer. I didn't really have a plan, but I knew that I was going to be going down to San Antonio to work with girls in San Antonio in the fall. But in the meantime, I didn't really have anything particular to do, so I went up to live in Omaha with my sister 
and brother-in-law and work for Kelly Girl during the summer. And while I was up there, then he called me and um, said, well, when you move, I'll, I'll come and help you move. And I thought that was kind of surprising. I didn't, I was very surprised about that. But so that's, so then that was uh, when we got to know each other a lot then was because he was helping. Well, the girls that lived with me were moving with me. We were just kind of move the girls things out of San Antonio. So he drove my car down. So we had all that five hour trip in Fort Worth to San Antonio that we were getting acquainted again. In fact, we were talking so much that one of the somebody was driving another car needed money for getting gas, and they needed to get it from George, and we just zoomed past them and didn't even see them. You guys were in your own little world. Yeah, we were. I just had I had it in, in cruise and just kept going on. See, I, I I was on my way back. I had gone home to North Carolina, and I said, "Well, you know, I could be coming through there at that time, and we could just pick up and help you load and." You had one of those Volkswagen hippie hipster. No, it was things. a Volkswagen van. Though. No, it wasn't either. Oh, that it was one was online. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> we in Germany. They, we we had five vans, and I used to do the maintenance on okay. them and all that, and and the little bugs and. So so you got married. What year? Seventy four. Seventy four. Yeah. Seventy four. Uh-huh. And then what happened? Then we were there for in San Antonio for another year and a half, I guess. And um, then my mother was having to go to a nursing home, and she wasn't adjusting well at all. And so, again, we had a summer when we weren't really committed to anything in particular. So we decided to come up to Iowa, and I'd see if I could help my mother smooth her into a nursing home. We could be in her house with her and then help her to get settled into the nursing home. But when we got up here, my brother, Maxine Atwood, is my sister-in-law. Okay. And uh, my brother, Harry, knew then that somebody that needed somebody like George working for him. That's what George was doing during that summer. Then George realized that a course that he had been wanting to take, or he had started working on in San Antonio, of getting refreshed on uh, electronics and so forth, and that DMAC had a better course for it, really. Hmm. So then he decided to go there, and that's why we stayed, was because he was going to go to DMAC for a year, but we're still here. <laughs> Did you ever finish DMAC that year? Oh, yeah. All right. Good job. <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I had Shirley helping me. I'm a severe dyslexic, and she was reading some things or working through some things, and she had no knowledge about I had no idea what I was reading. It was like nonsense syllables to me, but I read it to him because yeah. I didn't understand any of that. <laughs> And then I was, we were expecting our daughter then at that time too. So she was born in August and he graduated a few weeks later. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So you ended up here and Mm -hmm. George, where did you, where'd you work for all these years? Well, different places. For the the summer, I worked as a uh, electrician doing rural work and stuff like that. But I decided climbing a pole and pulling live triplex up and, and hooking it up to the neutral and then, then then doing the big crimp and stuff and and just wasn't my deal having to you know, having to stick those things in the side of your legs and go up the pole and then I heard something advertised on the radio that sounded just like George. So he applied for that job at Thombert. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where he worked till till retirement. For and, a lot of years. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. and and what did he? What kind of work did he do? Well, e- electrical maintenance. Okay. Mechanical maintenance and okay. robotics and 
the uh, Homeland Security never tapped you for jamming no, up the spy signals or anything no, like that? We're still under <laughs> under underground. So, Shirley, the truth is, I've been here for almost seven months now, mm-hmm. and you're in a wheelchair, but I really don't know why. Okay. I've, I, I, I probably have oh, heard I can't from walk. somebody, but you can't, you can't walk? Really? <laughs> <laughs> I've never I, said that to anybody before. I've probably heard that, but I, I don't remember if I have heard mm-hmm. any of the details. Well, 1984, we'd been over to visit my sister in Omaha, and... uh on our way back, the roads were mostly clear, but it had some ice on it. And when we got to in a, the intersection just on the Iowa side over there, past the Mormon Bridge, we were taking the, um, well, it was kind of a tight interchange to get on the, the freeway going north. And um, George had to slow down really fast. Now they have, because of us, they have lots of signs there. I've I mean, they had signs before. Through but that they many put, times, yeah. Yes. That's a tight a lot Twirl. of them. Mm-hmm. But there was yep. ice on the bridge before that. Yeah. Got a slide. Oh, yeah. So we started going back and forth and then flew over and landed on the roof. Mm. of the. And my neck, I heard and felt my neck crack. Well, I knew that I was paralyzed then. And um, so George says, well, I have to push you out ahead because we've got to fold that gas tank and I can smell gas. And so he, he got me out ahead of, of it. And um, the first verse that came to my mind was Psalm 112, 7. He does not fear bad news or live in dread of what may happen, for he has settled in his mind that Jehovah God will take care of him. Hmm. Anyway, I was then taken to the uh, hospital in Omaha, and I was there for about six months, and then another six months they transferred me over to Des Moines so I'd be closer to home. And so I spent about a year in hospitals and rehab and so forth. Was it was was your injury just the neck injury or was there something else? It was just the neck injury at six and seven, at, which leaves you paralyzed from just below the shoulders down. I've use of my arms, but not my hands. Hmm. So I can put things together. People think I can use my hands because I can get things together and yeah, do that. But um, I can type because I use I get something that has. Pencils with the erasers down is really what they are, strapped okay. to my hands. Yep. So I type a lot, and uh, and I have something I can write with somewhat, but I can't write too well because you have to use arm movements for Yeah, that's for right. So right. I can sign my name anyway and write a few things down. So 1984, mm-hmm. 35, 36, 36 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, how long did it take you to come to grips with what had happened? I guess from what I hear from other people, I must have gotten through that quicker than most people do. And I suppose it's from knowing the Lord for many years before that. And I know the nurses would sometimes ask me, well, don't you ever get mad? And, uh, and so one day I got kind of a little bit angry. So I made sure they knew because I thought they must have a checklist someplace. Mm, that, yeah, you know, they're going to yeah. go through this stage and this stage. So I made sure they knew they got a little bit angry that day. I'm not sure how to answer that because it seemed to come gradually. I certainly wasn't happy about it. And yeah. it was hard. I was a singer, though, of course, by this time I wasn't singing so much. I was a local music teacher and sang sort of the Sandy Patty style. Mm-hmm. And um, I missed that afterwards because I could sing again. But my range, I didn't have the abdominal muscles working. They were okay, but I just didn't, they weren't working right. 
So that part was hard. I was teaching part-time at the Christian school, just five hours a week for the music, and um, our daughter was a kindergartner there. And so one of the women there, Donna Nisham was her name, and she was very encouraging to me. She said, she said, well, I think you can teach again. I said, teach? I can't play the piano. I can't. She says, well, you can find other ways to do it. Hmm. And, uh, and I also said to her, well, even before that question, I said, well, what's my purpose now? And she said, well, maybe it's to persevere. I thought, that doesn't sound like a calling to persevere. But I found it has been. It's been a calling to persevere. And, uh, and then, of course, I did find ways to teach music. I taught another 12 years. Joyce, um, she doesn't come to this church now, but Joyce Ringenberg, she was kind of at a time of new empty nester. She needed something for her time, so she started being my assistant, and she did the piano playing and the parts I couldn't do. I had the degree, and she had the yeah. ability yet. So we did. I did that then for 12 years. So you continue to teach. Yes. And did you figure out how to do it? even though you had paralysis? I did. I did find out, you know, was as I needed to be. Yes, it was. It was, even to be able to direct the kids in front, you mm. know. Did, did you find that they responded to you differently? No, they didn't. I think maybe because they kind of went through it with me. Okay. You know, they said, oh, Mrs. Osborne had an accident, you know. And Alicia was going to school then, and she said, she even came, you know, as a six-year-old, she came to visit, and she said, Oh, Mom, the kids want you to come back. She said, we've talked about it. You know, there's two doors. We've talked about how we can get both doors open and you can get in there. Yeah. And and were you were you over 30? Yes. At that point? Yes. Okay. But very young. Very young for having to deal with a wheelchair. Yeah. And I was usually taken for 10 years younger than I was. Okay. So I got a young husband. <laughs> <laughs> So so you taught for another 12 years, mm-hmm. and your daughter graduated, mm-hmm. and what's, what's your daughter up to these days? She went to Grandview Baptist High School, and then she went to Northwestern Bible College in the Twin Cities, and uh, she married a fellow that she had dated when she was about 20. I mean, she well, they dated after she was out of high school. And they now live in North Carolina in the house that he grew up in. And his grandparents had lived in and all. Wow. And they have two little girls. And she's been homeschooling the oldest one. But the younger one, she feels, needs to be in a classroom. So they may both go to Christian school next year. Mm-hmm. So your grandkids are a little bit of a drive. Yes. North Carolina. Yes. Well, that's We miss them so much. So you guys started coming here, you said, in... When we moved back here, which was 76. 76. I mean, moved back here. He hadn't lived here before, but for me, I... You grew up here. I grew up here in the Methodist Church. So when George was working, Mm -hmm. were you able to navigate yourself around, no pun intended, with the navigators? Were, Were you able to get yourself around at home, or did you need to have help? Well, yeah, I've had some help. Yeah, more while Alicia was young, when she was small. We f- we got all our help, really, through the church. Well, I had one, we did put an ad in a paper once, and we did get one lady that she still comes and helps me with paperwork sometimes. She's a, actually, she's older than me by a couple of years, but someone from our church was worked for us, and then Vicki Engel has been working for most of those years. She's just, I don't know, she's just an angel, <laughs> 
she's whatever adjectives I could come up with because she is just so good and so thoughtful and so helpful. Now she comes three mornings a week. I used to have someone every morning uh, when Alicia was young. But as she got older and she began to handle her own laundry and things like that, we had less and less help. And then when she was gone from the, our home pretty much all the time when she'd gone away to college and stuff, we got down to now. Now we have Vicky works three more, three days a week, five hours, so it's 15 hours a week. Huh. See, George does a lot of things anyway, and he'd rather do them sometimes than have somebody else doing them. Yeah. But um, she does shower and do my hair and the kinds of things that women do usually. (laughs) George wouldn't do that good of a job on your hair. No, he does it sometimes. He does it sometimes if Vicky's ill or something. Yeah. So so you said that the church provided a lot of help. Well, at least by knowing people in the church. Okay. We would put, I think originally, I think we did put it in the church bulletin back when the church was a little smaller and you could do things like that. Or word of mouth, you know, from one to another. Most of the people have been from this church. They may not be now, like one of them lives away from here in Prairie City or something. But So do you, did you for a while go through, now the nurses wanted to make sure you got angry, yeah. right? Why aren't you mad? Yeah. Do you still deal sometimes with wondering, you know, why did this happen? I could have done this Sometimes, or that. sometimes. It's not totally disappeared. No, it, but it hasn't been, I really haven't had a lot of depression. Hmm. Either that or it's erased from my mind, which could yeah. be. But but you're not dealing with it now, currently. No, hmm. no I, I do maybe for a brief time, if I really want to do something that I can't do. Yeah. Well, you made the comment one time, well, why didn't I just die? Yeah, yeah, that was early on. Yeah, we were having trouble. He, we were both, I don't know why, but something we were doing and we were both frustrated about it and i said oh why didn't i just die i didn't really mean it and he knew i didn't mean it but i could tell by his expression that that was not good for him to hear and then the thought struck me i don't have any choice about being physically dependent but i do have a choice about being emotionally dependent hmm interesting yeah yeah and that has helped me i think that thought is there's a choice here well, some of that was uh, that I used to have to get up in the middle of the night and turn her every two or two and a half hours for, you know, to, to shift her body where she didn't get pressure sores. Mm-hmm. And being a electrical mechanical guy doing robotics, I built a a automatic turner that would turn her every half hour, just kind of a little slow, gradual thing, and just turns Air her back and forth. Air mattresses that are ti- on a timing. I don't know, George. I don't like that. You're treating her like a hot dog over here, turning well, her a little this way. Well, the early her on this side, the the early ones, <laughs> it would actually pressure up enough, and I put it under my daughter's bed. You know, she didn't like to get up on, especially Saturdays and stuff. And I put it under her bed, and it would actually flip her out. <laughs> it would pressure, it pump up and flip her out. Oh, that only man. happened about once. <laughs> she wasn't too pr- happy about that. You know, you didn't want to get on George's bad side with yeah. his inventions, right? Right. So, but did the Turner? Did it work for you? Oh yeah, it it did work. So uh-huh. you didn't have to wake up in the middle of the night, and it would no. just do it automatically. It still does it, and it made it it made it portable. You know where we can go out and transfer down, and I can 
stayed up in a motel. Is it a newer iteration, or is it the same one that you originally made? Well, it, it came off the ba- basic idea. It wasn't that tire. No, it doesn't have the tire thing. It has the air air mattresses. Little air mattresses, oh, okay. and, and they alternated 160th of a second, you know. On, I think it would have been better at 150th of a second. I think you were a little off in your calculations. No, no, you had 60 cycles, and this is every <laughs> every half cycle. The good oh, thing my. is that it does fit into a suitcase. So when we make trips, that's one more suitcase, and then he gets it spread out on the bed. And Somebody asked you this question. When he made that thing, <laughs> did you see it more of a labor of desperation on his part or a labor of love to help care for his wife? Well, I think it was probably equal. <laughs> I <both>. think. Yeah. <laughs> but, but he does get some credit for the yes. love department. Oh, huh? yes, definitely. That's cool. Actually, others who have not been believers, but have, you know, that I've sometimes met in rehab and stuff like that, very few couples stay together right. in this kind of situation. Right. I know one person even said, well, he could have just walked away from that. I had known a gal in Fort Worth briefly that she was engaged when she. It wasn't this kind of situation, but she was engaged, and he had said, first he'd said, I'll stay with you. And then he said, well, keep the ring. Anyway, um, yeah, it didn't happen. He didn't stay with her. Right. They were engaged, though. Yes. They weren't married. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, when my son was in an accident and he was in a coma, mm-hmm. he had been dating his girlfriend mm-hmm. for two to three years at that point. They weren't engaged yet. Mm-hmm. But we were looking at the prospect of him having mental deficiencies and being handicapped maybe for his life. And one of the things that his girlfriend wondered was when he regained consciousness, if and when he did, would he remember her? And if he remembered her and if he didn't remember her, would would he love her all over again? You know, those kinds of questions were just torturous. Mm. And she wanted to say, you know, I will take care of him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Debbie and I were like very, we, we kind of didn't want to go there with her because we would never expect that, mm-hmm. you know, from somebody. So, George, you were married. So that made a big difference. You'd been married for how many years at that point? Ten. Ten years. Did it ever occur to you to walk away? No, I told her right off. I said, uh, "Don't worry, you know, I'll, I'll take care of you." See, I, I had, I had been a, in an emergency service and ambulance service, and I, you know, so I carefully loaded her up and got her out this way. And okay, so you, so you knew, you knew right from the scene of the accident how to remove her from the car, mm-hmm. and yeah. and because the wrong removal could have been even more damaging, yeah. perhaps. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you told her right off from the get go, you're going to be. So yeah. you married a guy who was going to. He was committed. He was committed, mm-hmm. and he was he was the kind of a guy you want to be married to. Yeah. If you're going to have an accident and be handicapped. Yeah. And see, our allegiance was to God first. God wouldn't have been happy with it if we'd split up either. Yeah. I said yeah. it was for keeps, you know. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that was right when I'm in the hospital, maybe. The first day that he came and he said, you know, in fact, he told my sister's sister that too, because she was right there. So the truth is you guys have been here for a long time at Community mm-hmm. Heights mm-hmm. and your relationship and commitment and covenant together and the follow through of that has spoken to our church family. 
and they see that, and I guarantee you there have been more than one couple that have said to themselves, man, if George and Shirley can stick it out, we sure can. One couple, Dealey and Richard Wells, Mm -hmm. that's what they said. Many times they would say that to us. Mm. They say, well, if we th- we say think that often, you know, if they can do it, we can do it. Because he came down with that, whatever he had, about the same time as our accident. Okay. A lot of things were similar. Yeah. And yeah. we were at the same hospital and had had the same doctor. Or- well, and then there's other people that have got just, quote, unquote, normal lives. Yeah. And they're having maybe some marriage issues. And they would say to themselves, well, hey. Look at George and Shirley, yeah. you know, or, or guys, George, so. th- that could look at you and say, man, sometimes I want to complain about my wife, but George certainly has to work harder than I do, you know, mm-hmm. at caring for mm-hmm. his wife. So I can certainly, you know, I can mm-hmm. certainly fold the laundry or do the yeah. dishes or vacuum the floor or mm-hmm. watch the kids. So I just want to, you know, as, as a new pastor here, mm-hmm. I just want to recognize that, that, that you guys, your lives speak a lesson that words could never teach. And I appreciate that. Only God can do that. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people said to me early on when I was here, oh, well, have you met George and Shirley? Have you met George and Shirley? And do you know Shirley's story? And hmm. I never really heard the story from anybody. Uh-huh. Um, I just assumed, you know, yeah. that something had happened years ago. But do you look forward to the new heaven and the new earth in a different way than I probably do? I may. I, I don't know. Because you're going to walk on the new yeah. earth. Mm-hmm. And you're going to, in fact, you're probably going to run yeah. on the new earth. I think that song, uh, I can only imagine that movie's come out recently. You know? Yeah. Will I, or will I just be too caught up with him that I won't even be thinking about that? Yeah. With the Lord. Or an awe of you be filled. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think I think you'll do some dancing and some running. I think running, so, yeah. And uh, that'll, be, that'll be a good day. Someone asked me not too long ago if I, when I had dreams, and I said, yeah, when I'm dreaming, everything's working okay really? in my dreams. I don't know why, but it's kind of nice. Well, because it fun. did for 30 years, yeah, right? Yeah, and uh-huh. So interesting. Well, you guys, thank you for joining me today and kind of telling some of your story. That's just a little scratching of the surface of what you guys have been involved in. But we appreciate you and what you've been so authentic and transparent Mm -hmm. about in helping us to, to trust. That's good for us to go over it again. That's good. Thank you. I enjoyed my conversation with George and Shirley, and uh, what you need to know is that no matter what you're facing in life, you can get through it. If Shirley's gotten through what she's gotten through, and then George, of course, he's on the other side of it, and he's got he's got work to do, and he's got uh, kind of a burden to bear as well. If he's gotten through it, then, then the rest of us, man, we can get through whatever's going on in our lives. But I want to thank George and Shirley for being willing to come in and have that conversation. And if you haven't, I bet you have a story. Sooner or later, you're going to get a call from Kathy Pankton, and she's going to say, Hey, Pastor Jeff wants you to come on the podcast. Don't say no, or I will hunt you down. Thanks for joining us this week on the Jack Insider Podcast.